0: I think uh, I'll just summarise what I was going to preach because it's already been sort of half-preached or… <laughs> <laughs> um, Alexia, you, you've kind of preached… <laughs> you've kind of preached uh, most of my sermon. <laughs> and So, this is the production, but it's (laughs) it says, God is sovereign, God is good, and God is God. His ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts superior than our thoughts. I haven't got an answer as to why God does things the way he does them but all I know is that God is sovereign. I know from time to time, we get into different types of situations, different troubles, different types of sickness, and some of them, some of these situations are good, and some of them are not so good. And I'll refer to the not so good ones as the pit. Sometimes we get into the pit because of disobedience, And sometimes we get into the pit because of something that is not of our own doing. We have no control just as Job got into a pit, not because of his doing, but because God loved him and God had so much trust in him. So sometimes we get into the pit because God knows we can make it through. So... It is quite important when we get into a situation we don't blame God, we need to praise God all the time, we need to worship Him and thank Him. because what he says uh, in this morning, uh, Keith opened the prayer something that I had been meditating on and that was a confirmation that God is saying it's part of what I need to remind us as a church, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is with us all the time. I once heard of a story of a farmer whose donkey fell into an old well. The farmer had a thought of how he could uh, donkey out and after exhausting the thoughts, he decided to call the neighbors to fill in the well, to bury the basically. because he thought, "Well, the donkey is old, and the well needed up. So I'll take the advantage. So as the farmer and his neighbors started throwing uh, sand into the well, the donkey didn't realize what was happening, but then it dawned that he was being buried alive. So, as the sand went onto his back, he shook the sand off and stepped, and stepped up and stepped up and stepped up and eventually he trotted out of the well. So, it, in the situation, what happened was, had been it intended for the bed for the donkey, actually worked out for the good for the donkey. Because if he had not realized what was happening and just gave up and sat in, in, and said, "Oh, I'll just uh, die here," he would have died. But because he took care of the situation, while he was in the pit, he decided to make use of the sand that was coming onto him. So I'll ask ourselves if we've ever found ourselves in a situation where it felt as though there was no way out. Have you ever felt the dead piling on, on your back as as though to bury you? Well it might be an opportunity to shake it off and step up. Proverbs twenty four sixteen says for the righteous fall seven times, they rise up But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Have you ever seen anyone that falls on the road and stays there and says, "I've fallen, so I'll stay here"? When we fall, we get up and we brush ourselves and we carry on. If we fell and stayed in the same place, I believe we will have no way to walk because everyone will be on the floor. So. How do we get out of the pit? The process of getting out of the pit can be achieved by trying some of the following methods. Uh, The first one is to cry out to God and stroke confess. So you call upon and, and tell him what your problem is and you also confess your sins Because God is looking for us to confess to Him. And we may tell ourselves that we haven't sinned. But if we say that, then we are lying to ourselves. The truth is not in us. Uh, 1 John 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And when you go on to verse 9, it tells us that he is faithful and just enough to forgive our sins. It doesn't, it doesn't just forgive our sins. We have to confess our sins for him to forgive them. So it, it takes that step of opening your mouth and saying out with your mouth. I know sometimes it's, it's very difficult. I, I have, when I've preached, gone back and listened to the podcast. And it's quite strange hearing yourself talk. But sometimes we do need to hear our voice admitting something to ourselves. And when we admit something, it is the realization that I am in the pit and I need to get out. When you, you realize that you are in there and admit it, it's the first step towards healing. Yes. Because you can then go out and seek help. But if you're not going to admit that you've got a problem, then you are stuck. Because you'll keep telling yourself that you are okay. And the sand will come onto you, and it will bury you. So, we need to realize and admit, and tell ourselves. When we say something out aloud, it does make sense. Because the Bible says, if you confess it with your mouth. So, saying something out aloud is part of that confession with your mouth. We need to do that. And we've got to know where to look as well. And we've got to know where our help comes from. I've got the greatest news in all these situations. We are never alone. He says in Joshua 1, verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It doesn't matter where you go. God is with you and he says he will never leave you nor forsake you even when you think oh I'm struggling here I'm alone he is there with you all you need to do is just to call out to him he needs you to take that step to open your mouth and say Lord I'm struggling I need your help and he's right there but when when we call out We need to be careful as well, not to concentrate on shouting and shouting and shouting and shouting and not listening. We have to listen as well. I heard of a a person that fell over the edge of a cliff, and he was shouting, help, 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 help. He shouted so loud that he couldn't hear. The person said, reach up and hold my hand, I'm here. He shouted and shouted and shouted until his voice was gone. That was when he got to realize there was someone offering a helping hand. So when we cry out, we need to cry out, stop and listen to what God is saying to us. Because if we concentrate on crying, we will miss out on what God is telling us what to do. And part of that crying out to God is inquiring to God as to, do you want me to do this? Do you really want me to do this? Uh, David inquired of the Lord uh, after uh, they had been defeated. And the Lord said, yeah, go after them and you will overtake them. He went after them and he recovered everything. So it is very important that we inquire of the Lord. And, um, yeah, Yeah. I'm just making an inquiry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, I say the, the greatest news is I might be going through challenges, but I know that the Lord is there with me. Paul says in his uh, letter to the Corinthians, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, I am Why is he delighting in weakness? It is because, if you read the verse before that, it says, my grace is sufficient enough for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. So when we acknowledge that we are weak, we are actually strengthening ourselves because we are giving Jesus the consent to come and be our strength. And secondly, we need to ask God. He is a good, good father. In Matthew 7, he says that even though we are evil as we are, we know how to to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Father in heaven give to those who ask? And also, knowing where to look for your help in, in times of trouble, Psalms 121, verse 1 to 4 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, who watches over Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. So if you know where to, where to go, when you're facing difficulties, then you are covered. You have your, you have your insurance premium. Added. Yeah. So our other step that we need to take in getting out of the pit is worship. Worship is one of the greatest things that pleases God. He created us to worship him. If we don't worship him, we sing a song that says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So if we that have breath decide not to worship him, there is the animals that will worship him. The animals will sing to him and they are bellowing If these cows. That's a, a song of worship. When the trees shake, they produce a nice sound that is, that is lovely before the Lord. But he gave us voices with which to worship Him, and if we don't use those voices, we stand the chance of losing them. And when we worship, we are also investing into our worship account, because there are times when we need to withdraw from that worship account. When uh, I am was lying in his deathbed. He had an opportunity to withdraw from his account. Second Kings 20 says In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says put your house in order because you are going to die and you'll not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I walked before you faithfully with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. So in verse 2, we see Hezekiah going back to his account, his worship account, and withdrawing from it. And reminding God, remember how I worshipped you. And listen to what, what God says. Isaiah delivered it and left. Before he was even out of the yard, this is what the Bible says. Before Isaiah had left the middle of the court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord your God says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you on the, day, on the third day from now. You will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Azaria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. So, because... Hezekiah had worshipped the Lord because he had dedicated time. He had spent time with the Lord. It was time when he was in this pit that he went to the Lord and withdrew from his, his worship account and he was granted 15 more years. So when we worship, when we worship, we build that account. We build a relationship with God. It was through worship that the walls of Jericho came down. It was through worship that the twelve disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room when they were praying. So I told that there is non stop worship in heaven, that the angels are singing, Holy, Holy is the Lord, twenty four seven. And this is what I hope we are all looking forward to, to worshiping the Lord nonstop. And worshiping brings us closer to God. It reminds us of where the relationship began. Married couples, even though they have been married for a long, long time, they still remember where they met their, but will still remember what they said the first time they met. So when we worship God, we are exercising that love relationship with the Lord. So we need to remember where our love began. It, be- it all begins with worship. And the third thing is consent and trust. God created us and gave us free will. He doesn't force himself onto us. We have to make that conscious decision to accept him. When we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we are giving him consent. We are saying, Lord, let your will be done over our will. So when we do that, We are exercising that right of consent. We are putting everything over to His hands. We can decide to choose life or to choose death. Whatever choice, we are giving consent. If we choose life, we are giving Christ the consent to take over our life and consenting that His will be done in our lives. If, on the other hand, we decide not to choose life then we are consent- we are consenting to eternal destruction on choosing life we are putting our trust in god jeremiah seventeen seven says but blessed is the one who trusts in the lord whose confidence is in him there will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream it does not fear when the heat comes Its leaves are always green. It never worries in a year of drought. It never fails to bear fruit. So, by giving your life over to Christ, you are actually getting yourself rooted into that tree of life. You are getting yourself rooted into that river of provision. It doesn't matter whether it's spiritual or physical provision. God provides for whatever we need. Whatever we ask and believe, he provides. And Romans ten eleven says, the scripture says, No man who believes in him, who adheres, who relies or trusts in him, will ever be put into shame or be disappointed. So when we put our trust in him, we are confident that we will not be disappointed. We are confident that we will never be let down because our God is a true God. And the Bible tells us that it is impossible for God to lie. So what he tells us in the Bible is the truth. And that cannot be changed So, what would you rather do? Depend on your own strength and strive to live in the Lord and thrive. I choose the latter, trust in the Lord and thrive. As a closing statement, I just want us to remember that God is always, is always, always with us. And he says, ask, and it will be given to you. And James 1, verse 2 to 7 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask, you should ask who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable in all they do. Whatever we ask, we need to believe that we have received, because when we ask, Jesus, we ask and believe, we have received. But if we doubt, we are like a wave that is being tossed. And I want us to remember that sometimes that pit is there to bring you joy. It's there to bring you closer to God and to help you reposition yourself. So, inquire of the Lord. David did in Samuel and God told him to do.